Easter feels, uh, it feels like a distant memory right now, doesn't it? If you think back to Easter, um, uh, we were thinking at Easter, obviously, as we do every Easter, about the death, the resurrection of Jesus, um, his coming uh, in, in, in the incarnation, his, his death, his resurrection. And then this coming Thursday, I don't know if you realize, it's Ascension Day which is the often forgotten little brother of Easter, but equally as important, the ascension of Jesus as he ascends into heaven and is in his physical body and is seated at the right hand of the Father, blazing the way for our physical resurrection body future. But maybe we'll touch on that next week. I don't know. So that's uh, where we've been. And as we move forward in light of the resurrection, we continue our Sunday talk series in the book of Acts, uh, which we've entitled People of the Resurrection. Uh, So over these past few weeks, we've been delving into the book of Acts, and we've been considering what the Christian life might look like in light of the resurrection, in light of the knowledge of what we've seen, of what we read what might the Christian life look like in light of those things? So let's get into it. I'm, gonna, we're just gonna read briefly from Acts chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles there, flick with me. Acts chapter 10, and we're gonna look at just those four verses from verse 44 to 48. Um, I'll explain in a moment what's going on here anyway, but Acts chapter 10 from verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard him them speaking tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks indeed be to God. When I was um, growing up, uh, primary school age really, so primary school age, feels like a long time ago now, but there were three families I seem to recall. I grew up in a little village in Kent. Now, I I seem to recall there were three families uh, that I knew were Christians and went to church. the main reason I knew this initially was because um, one of my friends was in one of these families, and um, as I uh, would go round on a Sunday to see if he wanted to come out to play, as you did back in those days, always on a Sunday morning the answer was no, we are going to church. I always remember that because it always seemed like a bit of a downer, if I'm honest. But... I remember my friend actually being really excited and telling me about his baptism, describing uh, how he would be dunked down under the water whilst everyone watched. And it sounded quite fun. Um, 
for a nine-year-old, that sort of thing. I sort of wish I was going. Um, and I, I remember they'd filmed it on like one of those massive JVC camcorders. <laughs> and we watched it on a video afterwards, like on a big chunky VHS afterwards, um, actually. And it did all seem really fun. Um, but one thing that I always remember feeling is that whilst those families were Christians and went to church, it wasn't possible for me. I always remember feeling that. It wasn't possible for me. That somehow there was a barrier. There was something. There was a barrier that I was an outsider, excluded. Maybe not intentionally, but it's just the way it was. Some families go to church. My family didn't. That was it. And therefore, I'm excluded. I'm an outsider. And I remember feeling like that. Now, I'm sure those families if they knew that I felt like that, would have felt mortified. Um, I don't think it was anything particularly to do with them. It just felt like church was something they did. They were on the inside, and I just happened to be on the outside. I don't know if any of you can relate to that sort of feeling. Um, and I guess it's that concept of outsiders um, that we have here in Acts chapter 10. Because at the beginning of the chapter, we're introduced to Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion. You can't get more of a... I mean, goodness, if as a nine-year-old, someone said, you're going to be a Roman centurion, that would have been quite... I would have loved that. That would have been quite above doctor, above anything like that. Roman centurion. Cornelius. Cool. But he was a Gentile. Obviously, he had no ancestral claim to the Jewish faith, no ethnic connection to the people, and he didn't observe religious practices. Um, he was, to all intents and purposes, an outsider. But Cornelius, we read earlier in Acts chapter 10, I'll just go through this quickly, he had a, he had a vision where an angel uh, tells him to send for Peter, to go and get Peter from Joppa, where Peter was, and to get Peter to come back. So Cornelius sends out some of his servants and another soldier to fetch Peter. Bit of a story. Go read it later. But then when Peter eventually arrives at the house, he finds Cornelius in the house, uh, along with a large gathering of Gentiles. And Peter then even says in verse 28, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. So Peter, he even acknowledges here, he even says it there in black and white, he even acknowledges here that there is some sort of perceived barrier. In fact, it's in their law there's a barrier. That there's an inside and there's an outside. That he, as a Jew, should not be associating in this way with Gentiles and that somehow there's this perception that the Gentiles are unclean even. It feels really strong, right? If someone said you're unclean, I mean, maybe, I don't know. But 
you know, there's a, you're unclean. And this, uh, now this, you know, to some extent, it's about ancestry, the, the genealogical descendants of Abraham. It's also, to some extent, therefore, about ethnicity, perhaps, in this passage, with the Jewish people being an ethno-religious group. Although, uh, I think perhaps, you know, maybe one of the bigger issues here, I mean, we have actually um, examples, though, in the Old Testament, don't we, of foreigners becoming full members of the worshipping community. So maybe it's slightly less about that here. Maybe it's more about religious practice. They didn't observe the the rituals and the practices and the law. Maybe it's more about that. But Peter isn't concerned about any of that because he's been led by the Lord to see them. And so Cornelius says to Peter this. He says, Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So they're there. They're waiting And Peter replies to him, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Okay. So you're beginning to build up a picture here. (laughs) And then Peter goes on to proclaim the gospel to them, speaking about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, and how there's forgiveness in his name. And whilst Peter was speaking, we then have this amazing move of the Holy Spirit, which is what we've just read a moment ago. This amazing move of the Holy Spirit, he comes and fills the Gentiles, and the Gentiles can be heard speaking in tongues and in other languages. And the Jews who had come with Peter were astonished, and the Gentiles, that the Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit just as they had. And then Peter sums the whole thing up when he says in response to the whole thing, Surely... No one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So, what we have here is um, this moment where Peter sums it up just perfectly, doesn't he? It's not something from human hands, in a sense. Peter's looking at them and saying, who am I to stop this? The Lord has ordained it. And in fact, the baptism is just Peter's acknowledgement of what the Lord has already done. The people who were deemed unclean, excluded from the gospel, in some way based on their ancestry perhaps, their ethnicity, their religious practice perhaps. But it's that summary from Peter that really helps us here. Surely no one can stand in the way of being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Okay. So that's sort of what happens in Acts chapter 10. And that's where we arrive at that moment. The absolute universality of the gospel, the wall being broken down between Jews and Gentiles, between those who observe the religious practices and those who don't. Now, in a couple of weeks' time, 
we're going to celebrate Pentecost on the 23rd of May. I'm in the right month, that's good. 23rd of May. And I'm sure we're going to delve into some more of that stuff then. So I'll leave that there. But it is not us who choose who the gospel is for. It's not our choice. It's not for us to choose. It's God's. And his answer is, (laughs) wonderfully, that the gospel is for everyone. Literally for everyone. But I wonder how the principle laid out here in Acts with the Jews and the Gentiles can help us today. What does it look like today? What about... um, What about the homeless, for example? What about the homeless? People who um, society might really see as unclean in more ways than one, right? Uh, Are they excluded from the gospel? Uh, do, Do they only get to receive the Holy Spirit once they tidy themselves up, get a job, pay rent, wear the right clothes? As Linda pointed out earlier with her story about the man in Barbados outside the church. Or are they just as able to receive the gospel, God's anointing, the Holy Spirit, as they lay in their tent out in the graveyard now? What's the answer? Perhaps it's maybe about social issues, things like a cohabiting couple who aren't married, or a same-sex couple. Maybe it's things like that. Maybe they're hot topics at the moment. Is the gospel for them? Of course, as Christians, um, we'll be called to Jesus. Once we're called to Jesus, we're also called to acknowledge of our brokenness, be called to repentance, in a process of growing in holiness. There might be pastoral issues. There might be all sorts of discipleship issues that we all need to deal with and address. And that applies to everyone. But the fact we aren't the finished article yet doesn't exclude us from the gospel. What about criminals? What about people who are in prison? What about people who have done what society would say are terrible things? Are they excluded from the gospel? They might have done awful things, murdered, destroyed lives, done things that most of us can't even imagine. Are they deserving of God's grace? Well, the answer to that one is no, (laughs) because none of us are. We all fall short of the glory of God. But it's by his grace that he extends the good news even to those people and and he makes a way for us all. And in fact, even when I think back um, to that, my childhood, my friend who went to church and was baptised, you know, I was part of a little youth group in the village that was run by one of the parents of of, uh, of uh, those families. And um, I always remember this. I didn't have much of a Christian upbringing, but I had this. 
I remember this song, some of you will join in maybe, and there was this song that they always taught us, and it was this one. Father Abraham has many sons, many sons as Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you, and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. And then you end up, sorry, that was really, anyway, you, you end up waving your arms and your legs, and it, you remember that one, yeah? Okay, so think about that song even, right? So that song is literally about that there's no barrier. Right? So I was being told that <laughs> in a song at the age of six, seven, eight, nine, that even I can be a child of Abraham and inherit the great inheritance that's due me. It was there. It was all there. It took me a while to get to it, but it was all there. We could go on and on, couldn't we, thinking of different people who might be considered not worthy of the gospel. But to save time, we won't do that this morning. We're coming towards the end. We're going to have communion together in a moment. To save time, it's much easier if we just say that whatever person group of people, type of person you can think of now or at any time in the future, whatever person, and you ask, is this person excluded from the gospel? The answer will always 100% of the time, every single time, be no. Should we just say that? That's easier, right? We, we won't have to go through everything then, every, you know, all the examples. Okay. The inclusion of the Gentiles here in Acts chapter 10 tells us that the whole thrust of Scripture tells us that. Our personal experience tells us that as we've come to the Lord from wherever we've been and whatever we've experienced, whatever brokenness we still experience. So here's what we need to know. We must not hold the gospel back from anyone the Lord calls who he will call he gives the Holy Spirit to who he gives it that's his business our business is to be his faithful mouthpiece here his hands his feet faithfully sharing the good news as contained in our Bibles to anyone who will listen do you know, in this whole area around us, in the borough of South End, what's called the borough of South End, there are around 200,000 people. It's a lot of people, isn't it? 200,000 people in the South End area. None of whom, incidentally, are excluded from the gospel. I don't know about you, but maybe, yeah, maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm not happy. <laughs> until all of those people have at least heard the gospel. I'm almost not happy until all of those people are in a church here with us on a Sunday. But <laughs> so maybe I'll never be happy, I don't know. But I'm not happy until at least all of those people haven't heard the gospel. The gospel is the great equalizer, isn't it? Um, everyone is treated the same, equally. It's the answer to all inequalities. 
is the answer to uh, everything uh, that we experience here in life. Jesus is the answer. His work, his death, his resurrection, his glorious ascension, which is coming this week. It's already happened, but we, you know what I mean. So that's where we're at. The gospel is for everyone. It's the ultimate equalizer. We're not to hold it back from anyone. Mary and the band are going to come up now. And uh, we're going to sing some more. Should we stand? And what I want us to do, I think, is bring to mind the person or people. I don't know, maybe you are so holy you cannot bring anyone to mind right when I ask you this. But to bring to mind that person or people or group of people or whatever it is, maybe it's a, some, like an individual like with a name who you know who's really hurt you, someone who you would be almost tempted to say, I, I just, I really, they don't deserve it. Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't deserve salvation. They don't deserve the gospel. They don't, whatever it is, bring them to mind. Maybe it's someone who holds the most horrid um, uh, opinions about something that you just think, what, that is just unclean. That's just horrible and terrible. Bring these people to mind now. And what we're going to pray as we go into this worship is that they hear the gospel, respond, are saved. Let's bring those people to mind now. And Lord, all those people who are in our minds now, those groups of people maybe, maybe it's a caricature of a type of person, whatever it is, Lord, and you can see all that right now in all of our minds. We're gathering that up now and we're giving it to you, Lord. And we're, and we're crying out, please, Lord, we thank you that there are literally no good or rigid barriers between us and you, between us and the saving work of your son, Jesus Christ, and salvation. The only barriers are the ones we put there. So Lord, whether we need to hear that this morning or the people we know, Lord, we, we lift those people to you now. We say, Lord, speak to them. Even maybe help me to speak to them. Know as well in my heart, if I need to know this this morning, Lord, know as well in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, that I am accepted and the gospel is for me and I'm not excluded from it and I can receive that gift of the Holy Spirit or have received that gift of the Holy Spirit and through Jesus I'm made worthy of that. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.